Destroy All Children is a website just for you If playing with video games is what you like to do Or rotting your brain with comics and first run movies too We've got a great selection of news and reviews So search us out on the web, you just won't get enough Of all our digital madness and other fancy stuff We'll also make you laugh until your tummy's feeling buff Destroy All Children you should go there now. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Destroy All Children. Knowing me, Larry Davis. Knowing you, George Brundle. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, they are... Discotech got the rights to the Sonic... Oh, Jesus the Adventures Christ. of Sonic the Hedgehog. So this podcast has to end so I can watch all of that. That's the reason why we're canceling this. Oh, (laughs) I thought it was just general lack of interest, but okay. (laughs) I mean, compared to the adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, yeah, I'm absolutely disinterested doing this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Uh, Hey, guess uh, what? The Spider-Man is out. People have seen it, their reviews, and they've been spoiling the movie. Okay, is is Tobey Maguire in it? Yes, that's the spoiler. <laughs> Apparently, wow, never would have imagined. I saw, I know, I saw like this little interview thing with Tom Holland where he said the original plan for marketing was to bill it as a civil war between Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and to not mention any of the other stuff. And I'm glad they decided not to do that because this is like the con thing from the second Star Trek movie. Where it's like, of course, all these people are in it. Of course, Tobey Maguire is in it. Of course, Andrew Garfield is in it. Just fucking say so. Yeah, I know. Like, what's the... Like, if you did it as just like, oh, it's Doctor Strange for Spider-Man, there would be people going like, Alfred Molina was on the set. What do you think's up with that? And, and then they kept <laughs> trying to like keep that secret. Like, everyone would have figured it out. I mean, people figured it out anyway, but... Um, sure. It's weird yeah. that they didn't at least like talk about those two because like of course they're going to be in the movie. I know there there was a uh, so Variety posted their review of it, uh, which also clearly marked there are spoilers in here at the top, <laughs> and then right before they said it, there was another spoiler warning, and people are mad that they spoiled that uh, Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in it. Mm. That's really the only thing in there. Well, I'm excited to see Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Uh, whenever the hell I actually see this movie, because I still don't think I've completely sold myself and actually going to the theater and risking the <laughs> you coronavirus. You so for this. dedicated. I was, and then I started reading about how, like, the Omicron Percy I variant is apparently able to cut through the vaccines fairly easily. <laughs> you haven't gotten your booster? No, I have. Oh. I, I did. Oh, that no, that's you're fine then. But huh? I was yeah. reading like Pfizer only protects against it like twenty six percent or something like that. I welcome to the podcast this late in the game. We're spreading disinformation about vaccines. I'm George Brundle. I'm Joe Rogan. Uh, so <laughs> actually, though, I would say like of all the places you can go, a theater is probably fine because it's like heavily ventilated. I I guess. I just probably, don't want to go to a theater in general. If I do it, I'm going to do it at like the crack of dawn on Monday where there's uh-huh. probably like the fewest amount of people in there after a movie just came out. So sure. now that I've said that, it's going to be packed. Eh, I doubt it. Yeah. We shall see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think 
correct me if I'm wrong, we have both watched a movie of a different sort that we wanted to talk about. Do you do you want to do that first, or can no. I talk about the game I've been playing? I wanted to talk about what we've been playing first. We'll, we'll okay. loop back around to the movie. Yes. What have you been playing? There's a new yeah. Star Wars game out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, everyone's favorite Star Wars character, Mr. Chief. And uh, he, he jumps onto the Death Star. And this time it's shaped like a ring, which is really messed up. Oh, that's uh, weird. And they have a lot of them. Like, you know, you thought they had a lot of Death Stars. There are a lot of these Death Rings. Well, they had all those Star Destroyers that they put the Death Star laser onto, and it was kind of like, why didn't they just do that to begin with? Yeah, I know. Halo Infinite is out uh, about a year later from how it was originally supposed to be released. It's all right. Tell me all about it while I ragdoll through the air helplessly. (laughs) Well, you know uh, Halo? Remember Halo? I do remember Halo. Halo. Oh, they made another Halo? (laughs) Yes, it's another Halo. So uh, the whole open world aspect of it, Mm -hmm. not as much of that as you would think. Oh, so they SMT5'd it. Kind of. Okay. It's basically just uh, like stuff to do between the main missions where it's the usual like, go through this area, shoot the things, move on. Um, Hmm. And it, it's all right, I guess. Feels fine to play. It's I'm just generally not a Halo person, and so that style of shooter is not really something I'm into, but I'm having an all right time with it. I like a good Halo. I kind of want to play Halo Infinite. I just do not have the hardware to play Halo Infinite on, unfortunately. Yes, you do. Also, get closer to the mic. Why are you like? Are you leaning back, eating your stupid like pickled carrots? They're good. They're delicious, and they are healthy for me. And I That's not true. will have you not mock me on the recording for eating delicious, healthy pickled carrots that I stole, that I stuffed a sandwich bag full of it and scurried out of the Mexican <laughs> restaurant with. You're the kind of guy who would like run out Ow. of Mo- Moe's bar with the jar of pickled eggs. Well, no, remember I tried to make pickled eggs at one time, but I used like a normal pickle jar, so they just tasted like regular pickles, and it was disgusting. <laughs> I do not remember that, but that sounds like something I, you would do. I got cheap and decided not to buy like a clean mason jar for this. I was just like, well, I got a pickle jar right here. I could just wash that out. Uh-huh. Bad idea. Well, okay, so... No, I don't have the hardware to play. Like, there's no way this PC is going to be able to play Halo Infinite. Okay. I didn't like question that is the thing. Um, I believe that you did check the tape. I did not. You were just, you were talking really low. And that was when I said to stop oh, leaning God. back and eat uh, your pickled carrots. Uh, remember uh. it happened 20 seconds ago. <laughs> Speaking of amnesia, Mr. Chief seems to have amnesia, I guess. Cause he doesn't know what the hell is going on anywhere oh. in this game. Okay. Uh, so, in fact, wasn't I don't either. Like, wasn't he just like floating through space for yeah. an indeterminate amount of years before this? Isn't no. that like his whole thing now is just he's constantly floating through space? No, it's I think it's a few months. So okay. this game uh, makes zero effort to fill you in on what has happened in the bad Halo games that people don't like. Now you gotta uh, play so, them to find out. Exactly. If you skipped them, like, too bad. Uh, this just starts with uh, Mr. Chief fighting some uh, brutes uh, on a ship, and 
one of them is like, I am Matriox. I am the main enemy of this game. And he like chucks you out of the airlock. Uh, and then he's floating for a while. It seems like a few months because you see this guy like uh, in a ship and then he has like some beard growth later okay, on. So I was, I was going to joke about this, that like at the end of Halo 3, he just gets jettisoned into space and then shows up for Halo 4. Like I, if I remember right, he's actually like in a ship during that time like he's in stasis or something i want to say but like i just thought it would be funny if at the end of every halo game master chief just somehow ragdolls through space to his (laughs) next adventure i did not realize that actually fucking happens for this game oh you didn't even like see the trailer where I just, I'm like floating in space. Larry, I don't remember what you told me about eating carrots two well, minutes ago. Point. Of course, I don't remember the trailer. Um, anyway, he gets you. Uh, he pulls Mr. Chief out of space, uh, powers up his armor, uh, mm. makes him look at the lights up and down, left and right, <laughs> <laughs> which I appreciate that they still do that. Uh, and then uh, Chief is just like, all right, I'm going to go do some murdering. And the guy's like, wait, what? No. And then he's like, well, too bad, man. You're in this with me now. And so this like this guy just keeps getting dragged along in all of these like suicidal missions that uh, Master Chief is doing, which is pretty good. Except the guy's also really annoying. It's like, suck nah. it up, man. You're getting to go on these missions with Master Chief. Like, stop yeah. complaining all the time. Sounds he's like a good demon. time to me. Is Master Chief just, like, at this point trying to get killed? I don't understand why he would just be like, okay, well, I no. need to go shoot at some things. No, he just knows he's that good. Okay. Um. Anyway, the guy who seemed to be set up as the main enemy is dead now, I guess. Uh, because you just, like, hear <laughs> transmissions from this other brute. Also, they are called the Banished, even though they're the Covenant. Uh, so I'm guessing they they, like, split off from them at some point in one of the previous games. Yeah, but, but it's still like because... it's it's grunts, elites, brutes, hunters, jackals. The whole well, weren't group. they using like different uh, types of enemies entirely for the last two games? Yeah, uh, four did. Four had um. I know like they a, had like the Promethean things. Yeah, I haven't Metroid seen any Prime looking enemies. Yeah, yeah. Four. I have not seen any of the any of those, but the loading screen has had tips like related to them, so I will at some okay. point. Uh, Is I would there guess... what? Is there flood? Have the flood been mentioned, or do they show up? I have not seen them. There's okay. okay. As far as I can tell, there's no flood. There's there is no Cortana. There is no Arbiter. I'm no uh, longer interested in this game. It's really weird. I uh, I need Keith David put the Arbiter back in the game. Do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if he showed up in the previous ones. I would guess so, but yeah, I'm not sure. In fact, yeah, he did. He was in five because there's. I played some of that uh, the two anniversary edition, and for some reason they inserted cutscenes from five into that. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. What the hell? I don't know. So, anyway, this whole thing is basically uh, like Master Chief calling Jerry's answering machine and being like, "This is Master <laughs> Chief. Uh, Cortana's here. Atriox is dead. Call me back." like i don't know what's happening here you have this replacement cortana basically who's like a copy of her but not her because the other one went nutso and got deleted um she's called weapon which i kind of like Uh, i i love my crazy e girlfriend and i refuse to delete her (laughs) well too bad so what if she tried to commit genocide she's fun and quirky and i love that about her yeah sure 
um i don't know if she tried to commit genocide i'm like so disconnected from the lore of halo i remember all right here's what i remember about the lore of halo. grave mind there's a grave mind uh it's, yeah it's feed me seymour Yes, uh, I remember that the Halos are there to kill all life as a very extreme method of killing the Flood, which I guess they were designed to stop because the Flood would kill all life. That doesn't make any sense, but okay, whatever. Uh, the Arbiter is played by Keith David. I remember that. Uh, the sword goes, and it sounds yeah. really cool. Uh, finish the fight. That's all I remember. Finish the fight. Uh, it was not finished. Um, yes. That's yeah. right. Okay. Well, then I remember everything about Halo. Yeah, at least, well, you remember things about Halo 2. Oh boy, do I. It was <laughs> the best Halo game until the end where it then became the most infuriating Halo game. The thing is, it isn't even good before that. Like, at the time, I thought so, but going back to play it, it was like, boy, I, this See, sucks. I wouldn't know. I've not gone back to play that game, and I kind of don't want to, because I would it's, prefer to just remember it as being a really good follow-up to a great game. Hey, remember Halo 1? It's that again. You're back on the Halo. <laughs> it's, everything looks the same. I mean, right now, that sounds fine. Like, I've, it's been so long since I've played the original Halo that just more of that game, it's basically the Far Cry thing where it's like, oh, it's been enough years for me that I could probably go back to this now. But Halo 2 starts so good on Earth, like the whole thing with like New Mombasa and you have this like, these Earth areas and the weird little bug dude, I kind of look like the Geonosians from Star Wars, uh, and you gotta like smack them around. So yeah, you got the giant, battle uh, rifle. that giant walking tank thing. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Scarab, I think they called it. Yes. Yeah. Wait. See, I remember that. Wait, uh, is is that the scarab or is it that like the uh, smaller tanks? I the, take like, it back. Floating I, don't, tanks. I don't remember anything. Uh, scarab might be the big one. I don't remember what the small one is then. I Look, I still, I will cherish my memories forever of lugging CRTs and Xboxes around to friends' houses to play that thing over land. Sure. What an absolutely miserable way to play a multiplayer game, but like <laughs> at the time there was really no better feasible option. Like there was Xbox Live, but none of us really had that set up at all. Also, also uh, Halo two did not have online multiplayer. Oh it didn't. Okay. I don't three even, was the first one that did, I think. I don't even remember like where the quality was at for, you know, online gaming on the original Xbox for that maybe, matter. Maybe two did i don't think it did though i think three was the first i got no idea i three i definitely played online quite a bit yeah uh, yeah got a demo of it with crackdown well i didn't get crackdown so i, I just I, I had to just go inside unseen and buy halo 3 i enjoyed crackdown more than halo 3 i still have halo 3 uh yeah you enjoying it then it's fun yeah 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 having a good time yeah Oh, uh, but my main point with the open world thing is, um, you have, uh, fobs you can capture, uh, which are not like, for example, a Metal Gear fob, uh, which is like, it's not some sort of... Master Chief has to buy FOB insurance. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a weird Clash of Clans online thing. Uh, also, they aren't even, like, significant bases, they're just basically, like, a platform it's just like a spot to call in vehicles and resupply weapons and stuff. Um, and you just like kill the enemies near it and you can capture mm. it. And then there are outposts nearby, uh, which are much more significant. Uh, and those are like, 
uh, raise up fuel silos and blow them up and destroy the repair bays, which I feel like they're trying to make Chief a bit more like Doom Slayer in this, where it's mm. like you have to disable the repair bays, and so he just like rips a case open and punches it until it explodes. Yeah, he's a big dumb guy in a suit. Yeah. He only knows how to destroy, not create. That's true. Um, Unless it's chaos, he's very good at creating that. Chaos. Oh man, Strangers in Paradise yeah, out that's soon. Next year. Yeah. Uh, speaking about punching chaos. <laughs> um, Yo, my we... name is Jack Garland. We're gonna <laughs> fucking rip it. Check out my Limp Biscuit ringtone. <laughs> Keep on rolling, 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 rolling. I don't want to buy that game. I thought that the gameplay fucking sucked in both of those demos, but goddammit, if there's not a little part of me that's just like, I kind of need to have it. I bought Balan Wonderworld for the novelty of it, so like, I should buy Strangers in Paradise. Yeah, the Terry Moore book? Well, I definitely should. should buy that. Like, that actually is a good, solid quality product. Correct. Unlike this fucking Final Fantasy that's coming out, that seems a total mess. <laughs> uh, so what I was saying is these outposts, the weird thing about them is, despite being a much bigger undertaking in capturing them, uh, the, it doesn't really do anything. Like, they become fast travel points, but you don't, like, get, uh, like, vehicle spawn points or weaponry supplies or anything. Like, they just stay vacant. Oh, that's it's weird. Very odd. Also, if you remember, I was talking about the multiplayer and how there are uh, basically no cosmetics other than what you can get in the battle pass, which progresses incredibly slowly. Yeah. In the campaign, you can find uh, Spartan lockers, which will unlock cosmetics for multiplayer. I don't think the Master Chief has any right to be in lockers that don't specifically belong to him. That's kind of messed I mean, they're up. Kind of just, they're just like scattered across the yeah, place. But like, he shouldn't steal. He's the good guy. Anyway, uh, they're like all emblems and like armor recolors. That's it. I, mean, I was reading about like the way that experience is doled out in the multiplayer too. how it's more of like a daily allotment kind of Basically, thing and not yeah. necessarily like based on performance. Yeah. Which also seems bad yeah it's it's super slow well from from again my twitter is rotten with like halo stuff which is again funny to me because i don't even like halo that much uh twitter seems to think that i do though and so there's like a lot of people who are complaining about oh you get guys who join multiplayer matches and they don't even do anything they're just sitting there because it doesn't matter they'll get the same amount of xp because it's based on participation for the day mm-hmm so, have you encountered any of that, or have people? I don't been know. I haven't played much active? of the multiplayer. Okay. Well, look, my I, only I other familiarity with like, this. Uh, uh, it's fine, I guess. I, I like I said, I'm just not really into Halo, so. Yeah, uh, my only other familiarity with this game so far is watching the Digital Foundry video where Audi, I believe, complained about very imperceptible differences between both versions of the game that <laughs> okay. I personally would never have noticed like i guess in the pc version master chief he, he's got like a very slight mild case of parkinson's and so when he holds the gun like it vibrates a little bit huh and that's not in the xbox version and i literally would not have noticed 
if Audi didn't zoom up real tight on Master Chief's thumb to show the vibration. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Um. So uh, the other thing I would say is I feel like this game at least early on is harder than previous ones. I'm playing mm. on heroic and um not like, even not even true Halo fan playing on legendary. <laughs> no, <Pathetic>. thank you. <laughs> Considering on heroic the grunts will just like Kobe grenades at you from like <laughs> way further away than they should be able to and stick you. Like it happens all the time. Like a grunt will just like pop out of a shipping container nearby and be like, Hey, check this out. Blah, and like immediately <laughs> get a grenade on me. It's like, how am I supposed to dodge that? Uh, either way, uh, I'm not going to turn it down because there's achievement for <laughs> finishing the game on heroic. Um, although it, it seems like you can replay like the missions. It's like mm. the specifically the achievement is complete all story missions on heroic, but yeah, then, then there are bosses that like their whole thing is they just bum rush you. Like there's a cloaked elite with a laser sword who's really annoying to fight. Mm. Like I just had to keep running away and picking up uh, these sort of explosive barrels basically and just chuck it at them as I'm running. And it's like the uh, paladin things or whatever from Doom Eternal where they just they really just rush at you. Kind of. So those you can stagger them. They don't have like. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, I think our complaint about those fights in particular was you have to beat them in a very specific way yes. and the fight repeats itself and it feels sort of antithetical to the design otherwise for Doom Eternal. Yes, Colonel. and uh, the Marauders don't run up on you and kill you in two seconds. Yeah. Like uh, these guys do. Mm. Um, But either way, like once I have upgraded my shield capacity, uh, that has helped quite a bit. And you get other... Uh, gadgets basically uh seems... upgrades for mr halo <laughs> yeah terrible seems like uh, you don't really want any of the gadgets other than the hook shot uh, the rest all seem pretty useless it's both a hook and a shot uh-huh uh yeah it, it's a grapple thing worse like basically the grapple in titanfall mm-hmm. uh very i found it kind of hard to get used to at the beginning specifically because you have to figure out like what range you can use it at there is a very 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 tiny indicator in the middle of your reticle that will tell you if you can grapple something uh it's literally like maybe two pixels of yellow (laughs) in the middle of it which like on a big tv uh running at 4k it's like all right i can kind of see it I'm going to pump this thing through a CRT and have no way to tell that it is indicating <laughs> that I'm supposed to be able to grapple something. I mean, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, after about an hour or so, you figure out just like you can eyeball the distance and be like, okay, I can grab that from here. And yeah. it doesn't really matter anymore. Oh, but... look, it's very intuitive. If there's a gargoyle, Master Chief can grab along to it. <laughs> sure. You can get up there and you can do an inverted <laughs> takedown on this grunt. Look, later on, you get the enhanced grapple and that lets you pop vents off. Yeah. And then sometimes you get stuck in there and the Riddler makes fun of you. <laughs> Arkham Origins was a very good game. How dare you keep bringing up this one part that was extremely busted. It's I am very mad that they won't like do a remaster or a port of that. Yeah, me too. That's easily my favorite of those Arkham games is uh, Origins. Even though everyone... 
Uh, actually, it's a very tough call for me between that and the original Arkham Asylum. Yeah, I like Asylum more, but Origins is definitely very close well, second. Origins is one of the most unfairly maligned video games I can think of, at least in recent memory. Agree. It's did you way see, too much shit. Did you see the gameplay uh, stuff for Suicide Squad? Oh, no, I haven't. Because I... So... I did not bother to watch any of the Game Awards because of everything that kind of went down uh, with yeah. uh, Jeff, Jeff Keighley. JF Keighley. <laughs> <laughs> Back until left. Kojima was in the grassy knoll. Um, <laughs> he was in the grassy knoll. He clipped into it. <laughs> That's right. No, um, look, I already don't care much for the Game Awards. They have no integrity as an actual award show, and they never did. It is entirely a vehicle for uh, Jeff to make a bunch of money playing trailers for new video games. I'm still interested to see what game announcements there are, because of of course I am. Alan Wake 2! Yes, but I see no reason to actually give his show the time of day. I'll just watch the trailers afterwards. Yep. I wish I had forgotten to do this time. Uh, I've had other stuff going on, but... Uh, especially because of the stuff of him and and Activision, like I really did not want to give that even the slightest bit of attention. Like yeah. they're going to have to wheel him out there like Hannibal Lecter because he has so little of a spine at this <laughs> point. Uh, yeah, but also uh, Warhammer Forty K Space Marine too. Anyway, I think it's funny how he also tweeted shortly after that that he really doesn't want to have to talk about NFTs being included in video games next year. <laughs> Being like, boy, Jeff, there's a lot of stuff you don't want to talk about. I'm not talking. <laughs> oh, that's a good Jeff Keeley. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> um, oh, we got a new premiere for you. Keeley's coming for you. <laughs> Uh, what else is there to say about halo nothing really okay i've been playing some video games wait 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 i was gonna say about suicide squad looks pretty good uh of course the thing to keep in mind is arkham knight also looked good before it came out so it's important to keep expectations in mind but uh, I think it's neat how the various members of the Suicide Squad all seem to play differently. Uh, King Shark appears to basically be like Hulk Ultimate Destruction, which I'm oh. into. Huh. Uh, like Harley is, seems to be mostly focused on grappling, like almost Spider-Man-like. Um, Captain Boomerang, is has, he has like teleports. He has and... a boomerang. Oh, okay. No, he, he just shoots Uzis, actually. Um, <laughs> but uh, he it kind of looks like sunset overdrive, like the way he moves around, like sliding and like uh, teleporting around kind of all this does sound very good. Yeah. It looks really good, but, but again, but then, who knows? Yeah. Arkham Knight, they're like, Hey, what if you could get into the Batmobile this time? And I thought <laughs> that looked good. Well, no Batmobile stuff always looked bad to me. Uh, but... I, I thought it looked good at first. And then when like 90% of that just became tank battles. Yeah. I do like the bits where you're just driving the Batmobile around and you're totally running over dudes and Batman <laughs> has hacked his visor to say that it's okay, they're just taking a nap. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. And smashing through sides of buildings and stuff. Yeah. That was okay. Um, but I, I would say like the traversal in here, like it, it's more like Saints Row 4, uh, mm. which 
that's fine with me. Well, I will probably go look up this video after we're finished recording. But yeah, the only stuff that I actually watched was, of course, all the Sonic the Hedgehog crap, and that looks completely terrible, except for uh, Idris Elba Knuckles, which is exactly as good as I was hoping it would be. Oh, I thought you meant the game. I was gonna say. Oh, the game also looks bad. To me. I didn't watch any of it. I don't care. It just it it looked they're Breath of the Wilding it. So like already losing my interest there, but like it's, I, I made this point to somebody else. I think that Sonic has a very unique and interesting aesthetic to those games. And anytime they take him out of that and put him into a more photo real setting, it's boring. Yeah. You have to have the checkerboard patterns. I want loop the loops no. and I want art deco shit and like very bright, vivid colors. And when you just make a movie and you're like, but what if it's said in fucking Nebraska? Like my brain shuts the hell down. And this game just seems like it's a bunch of it looks like it, t- it takes place in Halo Infinite. <laughs> like It's just a bunch of regular looking mountains no, and grassy look, fields. And it's like, this looks terrible. It doesn't look that cool because like Infinite does have like the weird like hexagon things sticking that out and fair. like unfinished yes. areas of the ground okay. that are pretty neat like that's actually not too far from kind of what a real sonic should look like i actually. guess but i don't know it it just does not look that good to me and then again like there was a, all those leaks earlier about like when they were sort of testing the game on audiences people hated it so the fact that it's coming out like late 2022 i think sort of supports that maybe they feel that thing needs like a lot more time well you know there there was that part where you saw like a close-up of knuckles face and then everybody started making fun of it yeah it's like well i don't know like this doesn't actually look that bad like you're not gonna see that model like that close most of the time but then people named it and it became this whole thing what what did they name him again i don't remember yeah anyway i've been playing some video games I finished uh, Shin Shin Megami Tensei Five. I oh, it's so right. good. I finished it twice. <laughs> so nice. You finished it twice. You couldn't even get that right. No, I could not. So uh, I couldn't also get right the requirements for the true ending in that game because they're very obtuse, and I missed. <sighs> I finished all the missions Why I needed to finish to this? get it. Because I want to talk about you talked about fucking Halo <laughs> and like no I'm saying oh, why, do you, why are you so obsessed with the uh, the endings because in the I would games. have like, I always would do have this been fine. Like, I spend an extra thirty hours trying to get the neutral ending in four it's like gr- great I remember spending thirty hours in four trying to get the neutral ending like I, I did it in three because like the true demon ending has more content in it and is better. Uh, with five, I would have been fine just like letting it go with the neutral ending, but like that ending genuinely sucks ass. Like the final boss fight of that is very clearly not meant to be the final boss of the game, and the actual ending itself is like 30 seconds long. Okay. Goku just tells you you're an idiot and you blow up the throne, and then the credits roll. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, like this is Dark Souls ending. <laughs> Yes, actually, like it's it's basically just you walking out of the kiln of the first flame and that's it. And so I was like, this fucking blows like I need to figure out what I did wrong because like I put that extra time into getting the true ending and then still did not get it. And it's because you have to finish those missions before a very specific story event. And after that is the cutoff, except after that story event, 
you can still go and finish the other like sub quests that don't do anything for you other than unlock the true ending. So it doesn't make sense why they still let you do all that stuff. So the only way I was able to get it is I had to go play the entire game over again. Uh, but thankfully, because it is this weird open world design, I could just run past every random encounter. So I beat it in like a few hours. Uh, but that ending is way better. Like you you get another like final boss fight against Lucifer. He starts telling you about the Mandela effect for some reason. So well, that was weird. Crazy. It is. <laughs> Quit eating carrots and get up on the mic. I was drinking a mocha frappe. Uh, anyway, I've also it's tried. It's important for me a drink for pays. Well, you so need to stay then, hydrated. Uh, well, it's so I can make a J.C. Denton noises with my mouth. Oh, that's good, too. Now, I, shame. I have also tried to be Demi Fiend probably 20 times now, and he is very mean, and I think he should stop beating me up. Well, tell him to. I did. He, he didn't say anything. He just kept hitting me. <laughs> oh no! I threw it on Going fucking to a battered Nahubino shelter. <laughs> I had the game on fucking casual difficulty to try to fight him, and he still beat me up. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, instead of getting his health down one eighth of the way, this time I got it down like two eighths of the way. <laughs> AKA a one quarter of the way, yes, thank you. But he just heals himself up at like 50% health because, of course, he does. He does the fucking Lucifer shit from Nocturne. What an asshole, this guy. Well, he learned it from watching him. Uh, anyway, I wonder if the safety difficulty DLC is still on sale in the eShop because <laughs> at this point, I think it's probably my only option. Isn't that free? I'm pretty sure it is, but I can't remember if it was like free for a limited time. I feel like that's probably free. It forever. might still be for free. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm probably going to go back and get the law and chaos ending because like it took me four chum, hours. Chum. It took me four hours to get the true ending again on a new game plus, And I would wager two hours of that was because I still had to go around and do a bunch of like side quests in order to meet the requirements. So, like, at least getting the other endings in this particular game is, like, fairly brisk. Um, yeah, well, I mean, like you said, you can see enemies on the overworld now, yeah. so you can kind of just, like, run it past everything. Yeah, it's not like the older SMT games where if you wanted to do a New Game Plus run, encounters are still random, so you would still have to be, like, just murdering everybody or fleeing from battle, which itself would take a ton of time. Yeah. So, it, it does make it a hell of a lot easier. Um there's also like two different types of new game plus one of them lets you start back out again at like level zero but you still have access to the compendium and everything uh and then there's one that's basically oh, just prestige. like yeah th then there's basically one that's just like hey do you just like want to run through the game like naruto and be done with this <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you continue to be level 99 it's cool so yeah i've i've also uh i've played some christmas nights because it is the holiday season. I should be lobotomized. Mm -hmm. that's, <laughs> yep, that's the correct response to that confession. Christmas Nights is just the first level of Nights into Dreams over and over and over and over again. But you unlock things every time you beat it. It is a... Uh... Oh, it's a roguelike. Hey, you remember the first trailer for Far Cry 3? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I'm basically living that. Uh, I've also d- popped into Clockwork Night. It's just like playing Toy Story. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did not realize that there is no save feature in that game. So I. Of course, of course not. Why would it be? I beat like the first three levels before bed and was just like, oh, right. I think that I need to like dedicate just two hours of my time to get through this in one sitting. So I've, I've dipped my toes in the clockwork night. It's fine. No, it's, it's fine. Not. It's fine. It's like playing Toy Story. It's fine. That's all I've been playing. Uh, that's it. A friend of the show, Dylan, once posted a. Uh... That if he got a Sega Saturn for Christmas and his first game was Clockwork Night, he would have joined Heaven's Gate. Oh, I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible game. Yeah. Now, I, I'm i probably going to... Look, I figured since I'm already doing like this Nights into Dream shit, maybe I should just play Bland Wonderland this Christmas season. Like, get completely depressed. Okay. Remember all the vignettes in that game were just like, oh, this little kid's dog got hit by a car and now she's contemplating suicide. No, I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. Like all the like. So each level is based around a different kid's I remember psyche. Corn Man. Sure. So every level is based around a different kid's psyche and like something is damaging their psyche and uh, Bland and his friends need to set things right. It's all an allegory for antidepressants. <laughs> Balan is an SSRI, yes, and corn. Um, but yeah, like I, from what I remember seeing that game, like some of those specific like stories, the reasons why you're going into these kids' heads are like really fucked up and depressing. That's what everybody wants from their uh, colorful platformers. Exactly. I also like when I opened that thing up. There was like a little lovingly designed ticket. Like I'm being invited to Balan Wonderland to see a show or something. <laughs> Just thinking like, man, they put this much effort and had like a little pack-in item in their game and fucking no one gave a shit. <laughs> if only though you had uh, committed to playing the Yakuza games uh, because 5 has a really good segment uh, where you're playing a Seijima and first of all, you're in the mountains in the snow and you get, like get to hunt bears and stuff in first person. It's weird. And then after you get out of that, you go to town and it's Christmas time and there's lights around and big snowmen and a snow castle and stuff. And you, there's a, a side quest where someone is just like, you're, you're trying to deliver a package, I think, but the sidewalk is icy and people are like skidding down the sidewalk <laughs> at you like Koopa Troopas upside down. <laughs> you have to dodge them. Is all of Yakuza 5 set during Christmas time? I don't, I don't know, actually. Uh, Maybe does it need to be played in order with Yakuza Four? Yes. Damn it. Okay. I want Christmassy games to play, and I would have maybe just tried to get through four to get to five if it's set through Christmas. But I was going to play the Yakuza it might, games. It might be. I don't remember. I was going to play just, the Yakuza games after. Yeah, after Balan Wonder World, I was going to jump into the Yakuza's. So, and that's it. That's all I've been playing. All right. Yeah. We watched the Star, movie. Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek. Larry, you watched Star Trek First Contact. Congratulations on watching the one bit of TNG media that uh-huh. marked the end times for TNG. That's fine. 
This is the beginning of the end. This is started the downward slope. This is what led to shit like Picard. Uh, but at least it is still kind of a good movie despite that. Yeah, yeah. I had an all right time watching it. It's fine. It's yeah. fun. It's uh, it's no Crummy. Star Trek 4, but no. yeah. Though it has some similarities. It does have a few. So... Uh, first contact is about uh, the Borg finally begin their invasion of the Alpha Quadrant, uh, but they get blowed up, except for one Borg cube that shoots out a Borg sphere and then goes back in time. And so, of course, the crew of the Enterprise Doesn't goes go back in time back after them. in time. That's what That's they right. say. Yeah. Uh, they blow up the sphere. Uh, they find out that they're in, like, pre-warp times, like the warp drive is about to be invented, and they need to ensure that that happens. Uh, the Borg are trying to stop that so they can cripple Earth and take it over in the past. That is the plot of the movie. It's about to be invented by James Cromwell, who is also in an episode of Deep Space Nine, an episode where he was a weird alien man who was trying to rip off Quark, and they got stuck in a pod together. What if I told you he also appears in a very early episode of Star Trek The Next Generation? I believe it. Yeah. Going he loves Star trick. Trek. Yeah. Uh, he's playing... It was, it, uh-huh. it was great to find out that the Sweet Jesus gif is from this movie. <laughs> like It switched to that shot, and I was like, I was Leo pointing at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's playing Zephram Cox. Zephram Cox? Cochran, I think. Zephram Cochran? Sure. Zephyrin, Zephyrin Cockram. Uh, he is the inventor of the warp drive. He's a very major character in Star Trek. I think he gets mentioned a few times before this movie. He definitely gets mentioned a bunch of times after. Uh, but this is a very good, like, often used trope of don't meet your heroes. Uh, yeah. Where everyone goes back and they're just like, oh, wow, it's Zephram. Oh, this guy, like, changed all of Earth's society. And he's just like... I uh, like pissing in the woods and drinking moonshine and fucking pretty ladies. <laughs> I invented the warp drive for money. Zephram needs money. <laughs> um, which so there's just a lot of them like trying to put his drunk ass up to inventing the warp drive to the point where it's like maybe the Enterprise crew invented warp drive actually. Like, maybe this would not have happened if it weren't for them. It's funny when it starts and they're like, oh, we gotta follow the Prime Directive, like, don't tell anybody what we're doing. And then Riker's just out here, like, quoting future Cochrane to him. Yes, uh, and talking, or LaForge is talking about the giant statue that they build in this yeah. very spot. Uh, and, of course, Data just, like, jumping down several stories to, like, knock a woman out after <laughs> getting shot a bunch and being like, eh, it's cool. That was a really good, like, jump, too, like, where he's just, like, slid so, down in green there screen. Is, there is a good bit. So it wasn't exactly green screen. Um, I think it was not it wasn't. If I remember the story right, the way that he tells it is uh, Brett Spiner is afraid of heights. Uh-huh. And so they were going to just, like, have someone else do it or they're going to do it digitally. And then, uh, of course, Jonathan Frakes, who directed this movie, was just like, no, we need to actually get you to do it for real. So they hoist him all the way up there and make poor Brett Spider jump off more than once, which is completely <laughs> fucking terrifying for him. And then I think they ultimately went with the green screen shot. <laughs> like after getting Great. him to do this multiple times. <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, there's uh, basically half this movie takes place on the planet of them trying to help Zephyr out. And then the other half takes place on the Enterprise where the board have stowed away and are beginning to assimilate uh, both parts of the ship and its crew. Uh, which Picard is very upset about. He's got a lot of uh, trauma and PTSD to work through because of his time with the Borg. Which is new for this movie because he's encountered the Borg multiple times since he was assimilated. And he was always fine with it. Yeah. Like every time they, they, there was that whole episode where like Lore has a bunch of Borg under his command and like Picard is not phased at all by the fact that there are Borg around. Okay. But now in this movie, he's destroying his Gundam model kits out of like (laughs) pure fits of rage. Also, uh, the chosen red shirt in this movie is uh, Neil McDonough. Uh, yeah. very very young which it's also weird because a young neil looks a lot like chris pine yes he does uh but that was neat to see him like that was kind of weirding me out yeah like, I, I kept looking at him and could not see him as anyone other than chris pine yeah um you just you look at him and get lost in those beautiful blue eyes yeah and those thick kissable lips Hmm. anyway he is Borg did <laughs> yeah, and then shot into space motherfucker got borgified and then shot out into space like fucking master chief <laughs> that's right <laughs> i like it by the way during that part picard's like i'll just shoot the hole and make him shoot off into space meanwhile Worf is like i am going to throw my gun away and stab him hell yeah i mean that is an extremely Worf move that yeah, is yeah, very much in character for him uh also very Worf move is like well, what does he do? He like cuts off part of the Borg and then uses it to suture his suit. Yes. So he's just got like a, a he, fucking leg hanging off of him or something. Yeah, yeah, he gets like a rip in his suit and he's gonna depressurize and so yeah, he like takes its cord and basically makes a tourniquet out of it with like yeah, but an I arm think floating next to it. That's what it is. Yeah, it's still like attached to a limb. Yeah, yeah. They finally, after seven seasons, had Worf do something cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of constantly getting beat up. Uh, there's also like a whole plot in this about the uh, Borg Queen, a very pretty lady from the uh, okay. from the neck up. Because <laughs> uh, there ain't much going on from the neck down. She's very uh, wet looking. Yes, she is. Uh, I think that it is the imagery of her descending and it's just like everything from her collarbone up and then the rest of her body has been severed is genuinely disturbing. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's it's great. I think Gene Roddenberry would have either hated it or completely loved it, and I'm not sure which. Uh, all right, we're back. Had to take a break there for yeah. uh, a very important business. Larry, uh, he finally got his money from the lawsuit, and so he bought an analog. <laughs> yeah. You know, I slipped on pee-pee at Walmart. <laughs> Slipped on pee water at Walmart, bought an analog Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I can't remember exactly where I left off. But Borg Queen, you're being Borg horny Queen. about Borg Queen. I always get horny about the Borg Queen on Main. I can't get enough of her. Yeah. I, I like her neck. Anyway, she's got that her cool back. robot body. <laughs> no, she doesn't even have a back. She's got a neck, a little true. bit of shoulder, head. Well, she has a spine. Uh, yes, she does have a very sexy spine. <laughs> well, robot spine that Picard breaks for some reason. Yeah. 
because it's the cool thing to do. He's, He's a like, cool guy. I'm action. going to be like Bane. Yeah. And he like cracks it. He's a cool guy action hero. That is exactly who the Captain Picard character is. Yeah, he's always an undershirt. He's like uh-huh. swinging on pipes. He's always shouting and shooting at people. <laughs> he's pure ego and id, this man. Those are the exact words you would use to describe Star Trek Picard. Of course. Uh, also, Patrick Stewart's like 60 when they filmed this fucking thing. He's like 120 goddamn years old now. It was ridiculous back then. It's strange now that they still have his character getting caught in explosions and shit and just like getting up and dusting himself off. But hey, I have a question since I yes. haven't watched a show because I don't care. Um, how did he get unborged? Okay, so it turns out you could just kind of rip all the Borg shit out of you. <laughs> that seems like a bad idea. It actually is. So the Borg have certain components that when a Borg dies, another Borg will collect those key components, which will cause the rapid decomposition of the dead Borg. So they like couldn't... A quest item from them and it makes exactly. the corpse despawn? Yes. Right. But for this reason, they couldn't simply remove those objects from Picard without killing him. So what Data ended up doing is he managed to find a link to the larger Borg collective through Picard issued an order that basically made them all go to sleep. And then because like that ex- exactly like <laughs> CM Punk, uh, because that like kind of, I, th- I think if I remember right, those deactivated those parts. So they were able to then do like microsurgery and take all the Borg stuff out of the card. Um, okay. And then later, later on there's, there's stuff with uh, a character, a Borg character who like his collective dies except for him. And he develops individuality. And then they send him back to the Borg, and his individualism infects the rest of the Borg collective. And so that starts getting like Borg splinter groups where they start referring to themselves as me and I, and that fucks up like the larger Borg collective. Which is why they're like so interested in going back in time and sorting this shit out. Because like they're actually in a very bad position by the time first contact starts. Oh, okay. So they're desperate. Now you say it. Desperate. <laughs> I was already on it before you said that. Desperate. Uh, here's a reference to a deus ex machinima that at this point, probably nobody but me and Larry remembers. I mean, it was popular enough for him to remake it completely, so. Oh, right, that's true. I forgot about that. Um, but yeah, uh, the Borg are also really interested in that damn sexy data. So they take him captain. <laughs> we get a really good callback to Data being fully functional, which yeah. is to say Data has a cock and it can get hard. <laughs> and the Borg Queen is way into it. Yes. The, <laughs> the Borg Queen's, like, if you wanted to really distill it down, the Borg Queen's whole thing is actually she's just really, really horny and lonely. Yeah. And she yeah. just wants, like, some kind of companionship. Because, like, among this whole collective where everybody is one, she seems to be, like, the overseer of it and has some degree of individuality to herself. And so she is lonely. She wants an equal. Uh, She apparently tried this when Picard was Locutus, and then they unborgified him. And so she's upset about that. And now she's like, oh, well, Data, I guess. So she never actually showed up on the series, right? No, she did not. Oh, 
Okay. And that's kind of a retcon that she yeah, was yeah. there. Because uh, he's just like, oh, I remember now. Yes. Uh, but she does show up in Voyager, I want to say. Okay. She's like a recurring antagonist in that. And then I think she appears in the trailer for the next season of Picard. Sure, why not? But like that's like Q fuckery going on. So like maybe she's somehow alive because of that. I don't know. But um, yeah, she's trying to like... Assimilate be- this. Hell yes, that's a cool <laughs> action guy line. That's just Remember when Picard... Just popped in my head. <laughs> Remember when Picard said assimilate this motherfucker into the walkie-talkie? <laughs> Remember when Data goes like, resistance is futile, bam, and just like smashes his fist into the pipe? Yeah, that fucking rule. <laughs> yeah, it like blasts him away too. <laughs> I like that they're just keeping this pipe full of stuff that's just like, yeah, if this touches any Force organic gas, material, yeah. it will immediately decay. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, we're just keeping this right next to the goddamn warp drive. <laughs> Let's sure hope there's no kind of catastrophic catastrophic accident in engineering that never happens like once a fucking week. Uh-huh. Um, hey guys, teleporters, they're safe to use. God, every single item, every little bit of tech in Star Trek can fuck up in the most horrifying ways. Even, like, the replicators fuck up from time to time and just start spitting out, like, tar and shit. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it's, oh, what a fucked up universe. Anyway, I'm glad that they're keeping a little bit of the spirit of Gene Roddenberry alive because, yes, there is a whole horny subplot here of Borg Queen wants to bone Data, and so she is, like, giving Data nerve endings so it also feels good for Data. <laughs> yeah. Like, actually, the larger point is she's trying to assimilate him, and how do you assimilate an entirely inorganic being while well, you begin to integrate organic elements into it? Sure. Um. And so you get the temptation of data, except uh, not really, actually. <laughs> which also, though, it results in what I think is a pretty cool visual, which is like you have Brent Spiner, who is painted like, you know, gray green or whatever yeah. to be data. And then they have to like put a fake skin on top of that to make him look human. Which yes. is like This is neat. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I do like his like disassembled arm with like the little bit yeah, of flesh yeah. that's like kind of spread out. It's a good gross visual. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, like, I like, like the drill did... going into the eyeball. Oh come on, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, it it's is. It's like that saw game. Also, at least they don't just like focus on it going in and like screwing the eyeball out like in Picard. Sure that that is a very fair point. It's just some, enough to make you go like, Ugh. Some of the original concept art for like a deborgified Picard for the original show had it so like one of his hands would be a lighter coloration because the implication is that they actually like severed one of his arms to put on that big Borg arm. And so yeah, now it's like he has strongification. Like a, yeah, so now he has like a Luke Skywalker robot hand and they would have discolored it. Uh, except that means I guess they would have had to dip Patrick Stewart's hand in paint every single week. And I'm yep. sure he was just like, no, yeah, I'm not doing that. And try your hand a glove on. They could have. Oh, a single black leather gloved Picard would have been yeah. really cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, like 
I think all the stuff that happens on like the planet itself that was Ephraim Cockrum is actually more interesting than all the shit with Borg on the ship. Yeah, kind of. It's more fun. Sure, it's more fun. He doesn't like he doesn't really do much though. No, but they could have done more with it. I like the bit where Deanna Troy gets wicked drunk. Yes. Also, uh her accent is not nearly as pronounced as it was like in the first season, which is the only bit I've watched. What if I were to tell you she progressively loses her accent and it is gone by the last of the movies? That's what I would guess, yeah. yeah. It seemed like she was just kind of sick of doing it. Yes, it totally phases out by the final movie. Um, she does not sound or even act the same as... That's like a, a recurring thing throughout all these movies as the characters progressively stop acting the way that they do in the TV show. Like yeah, Worf they, did something cool. Yeah, Worf did something cool multiple times. He flew the Defiant at the start of the movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Am Scott flew the Defiant. Worf was just there. That's, that's fair. And Am Scott presumably died. <laughs> yes, rest in peace, Adam Scott. Um, no, LaForge doesn't wear like the visor anymore in most no. of the movies, which is like there, there's at multiple points in the show. He makes the point that he does not want to actually get rid of the visor. Like okay. he's, he has offered normal human eyesight multiple times and multiple times he turns it down. So is I don't this, know. So I, that must be a thing. Like you gotta see Lavar Burton's face. You know, it's like you gotta have Toby Maguire take the mask off. It, it might be. I think though that like the people who wrote these movies, I think just stopped having any concept of what TNG was or who those characters are. Like Picard is completely out of character in every single one of these movies. There's not a single bit. Aren't they the same writers that did a lot of episodes of DS Nine? I, I'm not totally sure, but like even DS9 is the Braga and yeah. uh, uh, Ron B. Moore. Then yes, I believe so. But like at least DS9, like it by design was trying to like break the mold of what Star Trek was. When you yeah. try to take TNG and you're just like, we want to break the mold. And so we're going to write all the characters to be very out of character. Like that doesn't quite work out the same way as when you have a fresh start with something like you did with DS9. Oh, Brandon Braga was the uh, Voyager and Enterprise guy. Oh, well, never mind. Now this movie <laughs> makes total sense. <laughs> yeah. It's all coming together. More was DS9, though, because I remember seeing his name like before episodes. Yeah. Well, he probably was the one who they let write all the Zephram Cochran bits. <laughs> Maybe. Like, that's... There's weird bits, like, in the later movies, too, like... Riker's a complete comedy character by the last one. Like he's getting bad together with Troy and Troy kisses him. And she's just like, I don't know. I never kissed you with the beard. And so like the next scene that they're in together, they're taking a bath and she's like shaving his beard off in the bath. And he's like giggling about it. It's fucking weird. Such a weird movie. Picard wants to have sex with a senior citizen in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because despite the fact that she's like 80 years old, she still looks like a banging 30-year-old. Well, how about in this one where he uh, lures the Borg into uh, the big goodbye again and he's like, let's put you in a sexy dress. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just in the last movie, Picard is literally that guy going like, actually, she's a thousand years old. Oh, it's you and Midna. <laughs> no, fuck you. It's not me and Midna. <laughs> I like adult men. I don't like the weird men. I've been very clear about this on multiple occasions. I don't know why you keep doing this, but 
<laughs> you brought it up. <laughs> but yes, that is also a very good bit. And by good bit, I don't mean like genuinely good. It's just somebody made the stipulation of there needs to be a scene in the holodeck. We haven't had the holodeck in any of the movies. And so they just do this brief, like, last goodbye scene for the sole reason of Picard wants to turn the safeties off and yeah. get a gun and shoot the Borg. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense because the, the Borgs adapt to uh, phasers. Yeah. yeah. So you, at, at this point, you can't actually, like, shoot them with an energy weapon. So Picard's mind immediately goes to, but if I had a sick Tommy gun. Yeah. And I just started screaming and spraying bullets everywhere. <laughs> I mean, it's like in um in the Star Wars extended universe, like the novels and stuff. Like, if you want to kill a Jedi, you get just like an actual gun and just shoot them yeah. because they can't do anything about it. No, oh, no, slug throwers—they call them. Luke walked into C four, and now he's dead. <laughs> C four, you sunk my Skywalker. <laughs> That's not a very good cool guy line, but no. all right. What about Jimmy the Nose or whatever that guy <laughs> was? There should have been more of him. Didn't he like light a match on that guy's nose or something? Yeah, I Am I so. making that up? Okay. Yeah, I think. Man, what the fuck? But yeah, he's just like, hey, get into this sexy, skimpy outfit. No. Uh-huh. Even though, like, really, he just, like, run in there and just grabbed the gun and shot them. I don't know why he still has to go through the whole dress-up thing. Also, it's weird because, again, we've previously established they have to, like, bring those outfits from home. Yeah. So suddenly they don't need to do that. I would have liked it more if Picard was like, hold on, I've got a plan. We have to go back to my quarters. And he, like, (laughs) just goes through his, like, costume closet, pulls out this dress, pulls out the suit, runs all the way back to the holodeck. Yeah. I, I, by the way, uh, some of the episodes Ronald D. Moore wrote uh, of DS9. Oh boy, uh, here we go. House of Cork, Defiant, Our Man Bashir. Uh, These are all good episodes. Rules of Engagement, Trials and Tribulations, uh, In the Pale Moonlight. Man, what the fuck happened? <laughs> it's only a paper moon. And it looks like basically that whole last uh, stretch of episodes. Enter Arma, Enum, Silent Legus. Etc. Oh. And there are like other random ones here, but I mean, he, also, he also wrote uh, twenty nine TNG episodes, including a Chain of Command, uh, Part One oh, and Two, uh, All Good Things. Mm. Now it's the it's episode just episode first contact, I guess. It's just uh, again, I think that first contact is still a good movie. It's a fun movie. It's easily easily the best of the the next generation films sure it also is just like the jumping off point for completely losing track of who these characters are and setting them into situations that in the show just would not have worked it would have felt like they were jumping the shark by that point it's fine for this one movie but the fact that they kind of keep going with it and then if you watch Picard, like I did at least a few episodes of it, and I don't recommend that you actually do that. I will not. You can tell that they're still very much influenced by the movies specifically, rather than the television show, because the characters feel like they're extensions of that segment of storytelling, rather than all the stuff that came before it. So it's 
I don't know. I, I like it for what it is. I don't like it for what it made everything else become, I guess. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. Okay. But I mean, also, Data fucks up that Borg Queen, and that's very cool. <laughs> Beverly Crusher is blonde, though. Yeah. I don't like it. Oh, I do. I don't. I like hot blonde Beverly Crusher. Hmm. I wish he'd Beverly crush me. You don't have taste. Like, you need to learn to be a redhead enjoyer. I mean, I enjoyed Redhead Crusher for seven seasons and a movie. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Gotta switch things up. Yeah. No, I I do like Data's deception in this, too. How he seems to be playing along with Bora Queen, but it was all just to kind of get her to lower her guard. Like, it seems like him shutting down the self-destruct on the ship was because he knew he had a better plan. Uh, And at the end of that, him going like, yeah, I did, like, consider her offer for, like, 0.027 seconds. (laughs) It's like 0.68, I think he says, which is like, for an android, that's an eternity. Yeah. Yeah. but also, I really like that Picard engages the uh, auto-destructed, then specifically says uh, to make it a silent countdown, so then they don't have to worry about, like, continuity of it announcing the time, like, in the movie. Yeah. That was no, kind of funny. It's funny, but it's also a good idea. Like, how many times in a movie did they say, like, oh, you have five minutes left, and then, like, 20 minutes later, the countdown is still going Yeah, on. yeah, 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 yeah. It's a good Although idea. it was like 15 minutes, and it wasn't even that long. That is that he, is fair. When he got it shut down, but a non-lethal <sighs> countdown is the most silent countdown. There's another reference <laughs> to this Deus Ex Machinima. <laughs> Don't talk about Commander Data because he's my pal. Here's the picture. The picture. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, I also like how that his uh. Picard's female counterpart in a lot of this point, I'm going to have to put a link to that in the description. Yeah, you're going also. to have to. Anyway, I like how she is just like a real asshole to everybody, but also by the end of the movie, she's completely right. Just constantly going like, just blow the fucking ship up. Yeah. Just blow it up. Blow the ship up. The Borg are in the ship. Blow the ship up. I like how she gets through to Picard by mentioning Moby Dick. And then later is like, I don't know. I haven't read it. And he starts <laughs> quoting it. <laughs> Yeah, what the fuck is that from? What are you talking about? You sound insane. Well, it's Moby I Dick. If, also, I wonder if this was before or after uh, Patrick Stewart did Moby Dick, like that movie. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like if that I'd, was like an intentional like meta reference to it or not. I'd have to look it up. I mean, that is actually one bit of Picard's character that they did faithfully carry over, which is that he is very, very well read. His whole thing is reading books. Oh so, yeah, like that. That that works. Um, oh, it was a miniseries, I guess. That was 98, so it actually would have been after this, I think. Because um, I think First Contact was 96. Yes, I think so. I think that's what Paramount Plus said. Yes, 96. So okay. That's funny. Somebody saw him reading that line and was just like, hey, you know what this guy would be much better in? <laughs> oh, we did a Moby Dick. We got Patrick Stewart. Um, oh, man. Yeah. That that miniseries also features Dominic Purcell, Heatwave. Nice. <laughs> Hell right. yes. It's all coming together. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I do like First Contact, even though I have a lot of criticisms against it. So uh, if you have to watch one of the TNG movies, 
just please please make it this one. The others are so bad. They're even really just resurrection. Yes. Even Nemesis? Nemesis has Tom Hardy in it. That's right. Baby Tom, Tom Hardy, Hardy rapes Deanna Troy in it. Oh. This is not the first time Deanna Troy has been raped in Star Trek. Hmm. She's kind of... It happens a lot. I don't know why. <laughs> you know why. We need to make her push her boobs up right in another <laughs> rape scene. It's Vince McMahon. She's gonna be raped. That was my Gene Roddenberry impression, actually. I felt it's very accurate. I've been I mean, practicing probably, for a while. Probably is. <laughs> still i know i've mentioned it before but my favorite gene roddenberry story is still like someone pitching an idea of like a pleasure planet and him just being like the girls have to make out with other girls and the guys gotta make out with other fellas (laughs) and then like another executive just being like look everything that gene said just ignore it (laughs) gene is very open-minded when it comes to being a pervert (laughs) the fellas should touch their wieners together (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we call it sword fighting <laughs> Klingons they ought to have like four wieners together <laughs> that's what it, that's where they got the idea for Krogan's <laughs> yeah actually kind of oh man anyway god rest his perverse little soul god rest that merry gentleman <laughs> <laughs> They buried him with pornography and alcohol. (laughs) His two favorite things. That's right. (laughs) Just like you. That's why you relate so much to Gene Roddenberry. He was a visionary. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, Krami here says uh, he didn't do this for the betterment of humanity. He just wanted money. He wants to relax on an island full of naked ladies. That's right. You said it, Krami. Yeah. And then he says, or before that, he says, you guys are a bunch of astronauts on some kind of Star Trek. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's <laughs> Which... not even the first time that happens. In all good things, there's a bit where I actually might be making this up. I'm not sure if I have like brain damage by this point because I've watched so much Star Trek. It's a very real possibility. <laughs> I think I was, you do. I was, first, first of all, I was wrong about Riker wanting to suck some titties. So I could be wrong about anything. <laughs> But I think that there's a bit where Q's just like... That's going to be known forever as Tittygate. (laughs) I think that there's a bit where Q is like talking to Card. He's just like, this might be the end of your little Star Trek. (laughs) That sounds right. Somehow like coming from Q though, I feel like that makes a bit more sense. It was written by the same person too. So the thing is, there's like... It's definitely possible, but it's also possible that I have brain damage. So I can't really tell which. Um, But yeah, I like how he's just that kind of character. And then he does the typical like spaceman thing of he sees Earth from orbit and then he like becomes a pussy, I guess. Yeah. So then it's all just makes you understand the scale of everything. Happened to me when I played a Kerbal Space Program. Yeah. And everything exploded. Planet Big dipshit, of course. <laughs> no, you understand your place in the universe. I don't need to and go you into, get exploded. I don't need to go into space and take a look at the planet and go like, oh wow, gosh, that's really big. 
I know it's big. I'm on it. <laughs> you would just get like space madness, though, is the thing. <laughs> it would be too big and I would start freaking out. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Oh, God. Oh, God. It's huge. Wasn't this big? Oh, fuck. Oh, God. I was thinking more you'd turn into one of those things from dead space and then have to cut your limbs off. I'd just be doing that anyway. Yeah, just for fun. Yeah, just, yeah, just for funsies. Necromorph, that's what they were called. So I think uh, that's it for Star Trek talk on the podcast, right? I don't think we got anything else to say about any Star Trek. I sure don't. I've still been watching Enterprise. Retro Corner. It's been a long road. Retro uh, Corner. This is uh, basically it for Retro Corner too. I got one. I got two more games. We'll talk about one of them on the Game of the Year thing, and then we'll come back for one more episode of this podcast to talk about the last one. Uh, this is basically the penultimate episode of this specific podcast, because Game of the Year is something different, uh, which means we need to talk about... Right, well, ne- next week we have Golden Grimmies, the week after right. that we have Golden Gizmos. And then we will then have the one last. more episode, yeah. Uh, but yes, for this episode we're talking about three more Mario games. Uh, these are all kind of the mainline Marios. So I played Super Mario All-Stars, uh, Mario World, and Mario World 2, which you might know as Yoshi's mm. Island. It's not Mario World. Well, it's Mar- it's here right it on was the released as Super Mario World 2, though in Japan it was not. It's not anything like Mario World. So this is like saying Mario 2 is not Mario 2 because it was Doki Doki Panic, except it is Mario 2 for us. That is yeah, what it that's is. True. That's what it was released as. So Yoshi's Island is Mario World 2. The I same say, rule applies. I would say Mario 2 is more of a Mario 2 than Yoshi's Island is a Mario World 2. I disagree. I think they are about the same level of diversion. And I am neurodivergent. <laughs> Which is why I have this opinion that it's very bad and wrong. Okay. <laughs> well, what is there to say about Mario? Mario was Mario. Was Mario. <laughs> <laughs> We're so close to being fucking done with this podcast. We're just referencing all kinds of bullshit YouTube videos. Not a goddamn person but us has watched. You can have a Koopa in one hand. And a buzzy beetle in the other. Koopas, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Koopas, Koopas. Well, now you're going to have to link the... Fesh... Jeffrey, the Goombas are coming on. <laughs> you're going to have to link the Fesh Pins of Blair now on top of the uh, Deus Ex thing. Absolutely not. I've used enough clips from it just inserted in the past that anybody should know. Okay, that's that's fair then. I also feel like that thing is kind of having a resurgence right now, so possibly someone has seen it. Uh, Mario All-Stars is absolutely insane for the time, and what had it has meant residually for the Mario franchise, I think. Uh, this is, if somehow you have absolutely no goddamn idea, a re-release of Mario's 1 through 3, as well as Lost Levels, which was the Japanese Mario 2. Uh, all the sprite work has been completely redone. The music is redone. These are like ground up remakes of those games, which like one generation after is kind of crazy to think about that they put that much effort into these. Yeah. And it is kind of crazy to think about how also, we've had another. The console. Yes. 
Uh, so, the, you know, a lot of these cards out there, they're very common. Uh, it is also funny to think about how when they've done another Mario All-Star game, it was not packaged with the console. It was on a limited release. You could only get it for a set amount of time, and they didn't bother to do anything for those fucking video games. Nope. So, you know, keeping the legacy of All-Stars alive, I guess. In that they used the name. And that's it. <laughs> um, this was also this... notable, though, for being the first time Lost Levels was playable yes. outside of Japan. Yeah, and then when everyone played it, they realized why. Yeah. Like, oh, this Bad sucks. Game. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's not too much to say, really, I guess, about Mario's 1 through 3, because those have been kind of talked about to death. They're all very good games. Mario 3, for me, is in tight contention of being the best 2D Mario alongside with World. I feel like my answer on which is the best kind of just changes on any given day. Um, I remember Mario 2. I hated that back in the day. Like, it just felt so different. It's not what I expected or wanted at all. Nowadays, if I go back to it, though, I think it is a delight. I really Mario like Mario 2. Mario 2 has, like, the best music of the series, too. It's also got, it also has Birdo. That's true. It also has Fanto. Ooh. And it has Wart. I do like Wart, and I wish they would bring Wart back. They can. He he was a dream. Bringing Pauline back, you should bring Wart back. Even though Birdo's back, so actually, like, yeah, bring Wart back. I have dreams with recurrent characters in them all the time, one of which is you, probably because I talk to you so often. Uh, I recently had a dream where I did a very good impression for you, and you said it was great. And then I woke up and I felt fucking depressed for the rest of the day because I knew that I don't actually do good impressions. I don't know. You didn't all right. Vince McMahon on accident. (laughs) That's true. I I did. And I'll never be able to replicate that ever again. (laughs) Because every time I do a good one by accident, I completely lose the thread when I make a second attempt. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, my, Grandpa and also like pretty much everybody else in my orbit when I was a kid had the three main NES Mario games. So pretty much anywhere I went, I had the chance to play them. Sure. Um, And then, of course, I eventually had friends who had the All-Stars version of the games. And so playing those as a kid was just kind of crazy for me because it was so easy to kind of go back, you know, back and forth between those two. Uh, I think All-Stars is great. I, I think there's kind of merit to playing either or the originals or the remakes. So I, I have fun with both of them. Uh, but Lost Worlds is a fun little novelty to have in that package. I do think it is the worst of the original Mario games. Holy fuck, it is bad. Lost Levels. Yeah, Lost Levels. Um, Mario 2, The Lost World. Whatever. <laughs> he's gonna do a like he's gonna do a little flip on the parallel bars and knock a Koopa into the pit. Oh, that'd be good. Um Yeah, that game sucks. Yeah. I love the uh you know, the springs that appear in Mario and how I can never figure out how to make them actually launch me as far as I need them to, so they should just make like entire levels where you do that and you're off the screen and you can't tell where you are. Yeah, it's also great because like the weird acceleration on them and then the like the the screen scrolling like it's yeah. hard to tell where you're at it's, and even though it's i know also that, that is the thing i can never anticipate it they decided to put wind in mario yeah remember how much i love that in ninja gaiden yeah it was your well, favorite thing 
oh boy, I love it here. It's so good that they did that. <laughs> like poison mushrooms, I get like, you know, as somebody who has the benefit of the last like 35 years of Mario knowledge, like I know to avoid the poison mushroom, but like some poor kid back in the day, like the first fucking thing that they run into is a mushroom that murders their ass. Yeah. That's messed up. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Why would you do? Why are you being a dick, Miyamoto? You're just trolling. You're just make a little <laughs> mischief. I like that Miyamoto's just game doc for a sequel to Mario was "What if I was an asshole?" <laughs> <laughs> what if we just made a whole game that was about being a dick to the player? Hey, thanks for buying our first game, you fuckwit. I mean, wasn't Miyamoto like actually doing like Doki Doki Panic? I can't remember exactly how they kind of split up who did what with that stuff. I know that like the whole story behind that actual like event where Doki Doki Panic originated is also like very poorly documented. Hmm. Cause it was just like, I think people keep falsely attributing it to a TV show in particular, what it was like actually a big like tech festival that Japan was holding. And those characters were designed to promote that on TV. And so then they made know. the game based on that too. Uh, But that tech festival is bizarre, poorly documented. A lot of what you see in Mario 2 slash Doki Doki Panic is stuff. It's iconography taken from that festival. Like those masks were a big part of that festival, like kind of clown masks and stuff like that. And so those got put into the game as part of that promotion. Miyamoto got Joker-fied. Ooh, that's why the second game is just him being an asshole. (laughs) Yeah. You get what you fucking deserve. Yeah, it was weird how Mario says that at the start of the game. (laughs) He shoots Luigi in the fucking head. It's messed up. You want to see something funny? (laughs) You're stepping on Koopas and you think it's funny? (laughs) I do. I'm tired of pretending it's not. God. I think it's great how everyone finally remembers five minutes of the Joker movie and none of the rest of it. Well, yeah, that's a great scene. And the rest of it is not. It is. Yeah. Well, I did the bit where he's coming down the stairs, too, is also another good bit. I like that yeah. they used the pedophile music. I thought that was very good. As far <laughs> that is really funny. Yeah. <laughs> I like the bit where he's dancing in, like, the sewer bathroom or whatever. It's a good scene. I went to go use an actual bathroom while that was going on, and so I missed all of it. Oh, I was like, oh, Joker shot the Joker shot the guy. Time to take a piss. <laughs> like, I finally got to the part of the movie where something happens. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, Mario 3 is, is one of my favorite Marios, as I said. Uh, I think it's fucked up. That game does not have any kind of a save function, which thankfully is, is fixed for the all-star version of the game. You can it, It's recording a save in all of them, which is terrific. Yep. Because, uh, boy, there's a lot of game in Mario 3, and I don't mm. know if you've recently tried to sit down and beat it in one go, but it's... No, you, it, you, it's you too need long. To f- you have to free up your afternoon. Yeah. Um, I tried to do that recently, and it, it was really tough. That's why um, you gotta know where the warp whistles are. Yeah, there was, uh, in the manual in Japan for Mario 3, there was an actual fucking apology for not putting in a save function. <laughs> okay yeah they were just like hey we know we did this for like metroid and uh we're sorry that we didn't have time to put a battery into any of these cards that's messed up 
Yeah, it is. Because uh, I think that the manual, when it brings it up, it's specifically drawing attention to the warp whistles as a way to quickly make progress through the game. Mm. I think it's kind of like, hey, keep an eye out for these things. Um, but yeah, I, I think Mario All-Stars is great. I think as far as like pack-in games back in that generation, like they kind of had the best. Like buy a Super Nintendo, get Mario All-Stars, like fuck yeah. Buy a Genesis, get Sonic 1, fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you get when you buy a console nowadays? <laughs> Jack crap. Oh, you bought a Switch? Uh, go buy an actual controller, fuck for brains. Well, the best part is they will have games that would have been pack-ins in the past, except now you have to buy them separately, like 1-2 Switch. Yeah. Like, that should be a pack-in, but they were like, no, you're going to pay $60 for this thing that is just like, here's what you can do with a Joy-Con. Yep. At least Nintendo Land came with the Wii U. Oh, if you shake the Joy-Con around, it kind of feels like there's ice cubes in it. <sighs> yeah. At least, like, PlayStation 5's pack-in was that Astro's Playroom thing that actually is, like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was all right. ...kind of better than it has any right to be. Yeah. Uh, and then also, if you had PlayStation Plus, like, the amount of games for the PlayStation 4 that you could just get ostensibly for free on that thing is kind of insane like, there's a lot of really good titles in that actual like core package yeah um which again if you missed the entire last generation that's a huge value i think most sure. people who like played games in the last generation probably own most of those already but still yeah, yeah. um mario yoshi's island oh boy we gotta get through it. <laughs> it's not a particularly good video game. No. It's got a really neat art style. Yes, it does. I think it's one of the best looking SNES games. It has the benefit of uh, super late. being, yes, extremely late. And so people knew how to program for that thing. It's not like 96. I think your first so, yeah. contact came out. <laughs> <laughs> Zephyrm Cockrum just wants to retire to an island. Oh, Yoshi. <laughs> I just want to be in an island with a cool drink and pretty Yoshis. With no baby Mario screaming at me. I was 95. I, by the way, when the Enterprise crew is making their peace with it being stranded forever in the past, I like that Picard is just like, hey, Worf, uh, you're going to need to find an island and fuck off forever because no one can know you <laughs> exist. Yeah, that was pretty good. It's like stay out of the way of history or something. <laughs> Thanks, Captain. You didn't need to be a dick about it, but thanks. <laughs> um, Yoshi's Island was actually like my favorite SNES game back in the day. I think just because I was like so floored by the visuals of it. Like it was unlike anything else that I had seen on any of the consoles of the time. Sure. Look at the, and, look at the enemy. Like it, it gets big. Yeah. Bigger. And, and so kid 90s brain where like more bits equals better like better graphics means better game i yeah. thought oh well this had to be the greatest super nintendo game of all time uh, and then i went back and played it as an adult and contemplated suicide <laughs> <laughs> the egg throwing is so bad like jeff gersman was yeah. right yeah it's pretty terrible and then the fact that you have to like kind of angle it and ricochet off of a bunch of things in later levels it just makes it feel even more gross yeah uh, I got 100% completion in this game because it unlocked more content. I would not recommend anybody do that because it makes the game agonizingly long. 
Uh, you miss one thing, you get to go through the entire fucking level over again. It's terrific. Um, I hate all the vehicle transformation segments too. Very slowly transform into this helicopter and just kind of like just guess where you're supposed to be going because it's off screen and you're just like looking at like a blank sky yeah you're just careening around all over the place you hit a wall you have to go through a slow animation of you like spinning around bouncing off of the wall Mm -hmm. and then it's all timed so if you don't get it done before the time limits up you get to go all the way back and do it again which is very cool very cool and then later in the game what if there were auto scrolling levels and those were also extremely slow but on the other hand, you can touch fuzzy and get dizzy. That is actually the best level in the game, and one of the best uses of like mode seven yeah. on that console. Like it, it's great. Yoshi's um, getting wasted. I remember making a level in Mario Maker called Opium Tea, named after yep. the Nick Cave song, where it was just touch fuzzy, get dizzy, but with very precise platforming, like single block wide platforming. Yeah, and people kept lighting my ass on fire in the comments <laughs> for it i was mostly just sitting here just going like i'm surprised this hasn't been removed for referencing opium in the title. and nintendo's not moderating that thing no yeah yoshi's island is um very difficult to go back to i kind of regret it because i did have very good memories of playing that game and i think kind of having my eyes opened and seeing it for what it is was unfortunate mario also screams and squeals every time you drop him and it is just genuinely one of the absolute worst sound effects in any video game i have ever played in my yeah, entire thing like i find that incredibly grating i can't imagine like why you would want to endure it with your phobias the only thing that I hate more than babies is myself. So, like, that mm. mostly is part of the reason why. Okay. Oh, boy, it sucks. Um, but Mario World, now that's a fucking video game. Yeah. It's a whole world of Mario. Literally, when you beat it, like, 100% and all the Goombas turn into severed Mario heads, it's a world of Mario. <laughs> it's horrifying. <laughs> I never did that. Never did, like, the Star Road and everything. I decided to do it for this one because I had never done it either. And it... The Star World levels are actually, like, a lot of fun, but, like, I have no desire to go back and replay the game with everything in, like, autumn colors. It's it's weird, specifically, that's what it changes about it, too. Like, it turns everything into, like, autumn. Huh. I, I don't know why. Like, everything becomes brown. It turns okay. into an Xbox 360 game. <laughs> I was gonna say, it turns into an Unreal Engine 3 game. Yeah, you know it. Um... Uh, I liked Mario World a whole lot as a kid. Uh, again, tough for me if it's the best one, but I think like my little child brain had itself blown open by the amount of like secrets in Mario World. Right. Because there's just so much like alternate exits to levels and weird rooms that you can find. Like that game is densely packed with hidden like rooms and, and such. I, I like it a lot. Look at how big that bullet bill is. Yeah. You start that first level with like a chain of 10 Koopas and you murder all of them. And it's just like, fuck, could not do this on the NES. Nope. You get Yoshi. Punch him in the back of the fucking skull. Yep. <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> Dump him off of a cliff and use him to springboard onto another platform. He's disposable. It doesn't matter. His life means nothing. 
Nope, just hatch another one. That's right. I'm here to save Yoshi's Island. I'm not here to save the Yoshis. Mario is going to build gas stations on this island when he's done. (laughs) (laughs) Mario the colonizer. Yeah, that's right. No, it's Dinosaur Island. Think about all the precious fuels that are just in the ground, untapped. Mario Mario is going to give the Yoshis blankets with smallpox on them. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, I do like that Koopa's got, like, one of his ships from the third game that's, like, crashed in the water. Like, that level is a pain in the ass, but I think it's a neat little bit of, like, continuity before they decided that it all just takes place in, like, stage plays and none of it actually matters. I mean, that was in two and three. The reason it was in two, I'm pretty sure, is, again, its association with that festival. Mm. And then they just kind of held on to that aesthetic. And then I think later the aesthetic was so often repeated that Miyamoto just made up some bullshit about it's a play the entire time. I mean, three starts with like play curtains opening sure. and the backgrounds are like cut out. I, st- I still think it's an aesthetic choice and that it's something that Miyamoto only like elaborated on much later. I don't think well, it was sure. ever the intention. No, it was not obviously from the beginning, but yeah. I think yes. it's a neat thing. Sure, I do think it is cute retroactively. It's but... very similar to like Osamu Tezuka's stuff, where like the same sort of characters, like he uses them like actors, where they show up in different books in different roles. And it's just like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's a repertory cast. Yeah. Well, I I like all these games except for Yoshi's Island. That game's a bastard, uh, but. And lost levels. Yeah, and lost levels, which is like one-fourth or two-eighths of a collection (laughs) of games. Yeah. Which, you know, overall that package is is very, very good. And again, like back in the day, I think that, you know, being able to get at this Mario game that was fucking kept from you would have been like a very special thing. Forbidden Um, Mario. That uh, Nintendo truck with all the CRTs and the games came by uh, my town when I was a kid, and I played um, All-Stars in there. They had it hooked up. Okay. Yeah. I've been on the Nintendo truck. Congrats. A guy came into my neighborhood, and he had a truck, and he told me there was Nintendo games and candy in there. And so I... I played a little bit of the lost levels and then uh, there's like a certain amount of time. I did, I just don't remember anything. Uh, and then a lot of crying for some reason, probably cause I wasn't able to play Mario. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, shoot. I don't have an SNES and my butt hurts. That's it for this episode of the, uh, whatever this is, the podcast that we do for some mm-hmm. reason. Yeah. Oh, r- rating the games. Ratings, uh, ratings. They're good. It's like barks. That's that's right. On on the Star Trek: The Next Generation movie scale, they are all first contact, except for Yoshi's Island and the Lost Levels, which is like Star Trek Nemesis. Okay. This is where you put in a clip of Troy saying it was a violation. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, you should not do that. <laughs> but that is a scene that occurred in the Star Trek movie. I still can't believe it. It's fucked up that they did that. Goodbye, dinosaurs. Goodbye, dinosaurs. Goodbye.
Here I sleep the morning through Till the wail of the call to prayer awakes me And there ain't nothing at all to do But rise and follow the day wherever it takes me I stand at the window and I look at the sea And I am what I am and what will be will be I stand at the window and I look at the sea Well, I make 